podcast, where I discuss skills for work and life. Welcome, new and returning listeners. Today, we're going to talk about a career in consulting and active listening with my special guest, Peter Siggins. Peter had a 23-year international career with PA Consulting Group and is now an advisor to startups and scale-ups. He's also a self-described motorcycle addict. With PA, based at different times out of the UK and US, he rose to partner, practice leader, and America's region head. Peter, welcome. Hi, Ian. Uh, Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here, Peter. I'd like to start by asking why you chose a career in consulting and what kept you there? Good question. The short potted history of my career was I, I, I trained as a structural engineer, as it happens, and then I, I ended up in construction project management, which I enjoyed, but, but I, I kind of had an appetite to apply my engineering and project management skills in a broader context. And so I did an MBA and I did a whole dissertation on management consulting. And I I was also aware that there were a number of people that I knew that had gone from engineering that sort of environment into management consulting. So that the, the MBA kind of piqued my interest and I got to understand a lot more, which was, you know, it's largely the same skill set I'd be using, but in a, a much broader context across industries, across countries, more travel, more variety in terms of the sort of things I'd be working with. What I hadn't realized at the time was there was so much about consulting that I didn't know. You know, consulting is a very, very complex area, but it's also hugely interesting. And I never looked back. I ended up in the US. I ended up working across many industries with many interesting clients. Excellent. You've worked as an advisor on strategic projects and programs for many different companies. What approaches do you take, particularly at the beginning of a project, to help your clients and to help those organizations succeed? I think it was one of the things reflecting in PA, and I'll typically wander around the answer to this question, and I'll eventually get there. We have a tendency, certainly in the consulting business, and I think it's it's human nature. We have a tendency to want to jump to a solution or even jump to a conclusion. And so there's a, it's just, uh, I guess, something that we have to consciously control. So somebody who's engaging you as a management consultant has some form of intractable problem because if they could solve it themselves, they'd solve it themselves. Why would they pay us all this money to do it. Um, uh, Quite often the the problem isn't necessarily what it seems on the surface. So I think the most important thing that I learned early in my career as a consultant was, was to listen, observe, ask a lot of questions, be extremely curious 
but also be a little bit patient. So in other words, it's, it's a bit like you're gathering a lot of information, you're gathering a lot of data, and some of it is, some of it is very tangible, and so you're going to have to manipulate it and you're going to have to do stuff with it. But there's a lot that's going on. You have to read between the lines a lot, which means that there's a lot of conversations, a lot of politics, there's a lot of facts, there's a lot of fiction. All of that, you just, you're, you're kind of, there's this body of evidence that's growing and growing and growing. And there's art and there's science in what you're doing then to try and figure out what the, the answer or the solution might be. I think the other thing is, in my experience, as a consultant, you're not the person that is the sole owner of the solution. It's a, it's a composite effort between you and your client, and quite often you have to give the client the credit for coming up with what might be the solution, but then that's what we do. So it's really important to, to be able to, I guess, build a relationship with the people that you're working with, to work effectively with this body of evidence to come up with whatever the answer ought to be. Thank you. Very interesting. I recall from working with you at PA that you worked across a number of industry sectors, including telecoms and energy. When you were recommended to meet with a client for a potential engagement, what do you think it was about you, Peter, in terms of skills, experiences, capabilities that people were thinking about when they recommended you? It was, it was rarely my, my subject matter expertise because the, the nature of the consulting that I did. So, so the, it, in simple terms, certainly in PA, you, you kind of had two types of consultants. You had the people who were focused on business transformation, change management, that sort of thing. So going through a journey and a bit of a process with a client versus um, an expert consultant who maybe their expertise was required in, in terms of um, energy markets and pricing, that sort of thing. Um, the, so I was more on the, the kind of transformational change management side of things. And I, I guess the reason that I was brought in I think it was probably because, A, my innate curiosity and willingness and ability to, uh, to listen, but also the ability to bring the right people into the mix. So it was never just me. I mean, it was always me and a team of people. But the thing is that you have to, you have to assemble the right range and level of expertise to work with the client on whatever the problem might be. So I, you know, I think about a project that, oh gosh, maybe 25 years ago, you know, a failed IT implementation. It's on its third third time to to head towards the the ropes. And there, there was a lot that I could recognise. So I had the credibility to be able to, I guess, understand what the client was experiencing 
and understand potentially what some of the, the root causes were. But then also understand, well, th these are the skills, this is the expertise that we need because we needed some quite a bit of technical expertise as well as uh, the ability to navigate the, the politics of the board um, because this was a board level problem. Interesting. It's a very thoughtful process. Yeah, and I, you know, I'm thinking in that case, in that particular case, I remember that we did a, an enor enormous amount of analysis of what we thought the, the root cause of the problem was. And we came to a very clear overall conclusion. We put together a PowerPoint deck, which was extensive, I, probably about 50 slides. And our client was then going to the board we weren't going there. Our client was going there to, uh, to basically share this, our analysis and our insight with the, with the board. And we said to the clients at the time, we said, you're not going to get past the second slide. And he looked at us and he said, why? And we said, because that's really where the, the problem lies, which is that nobody at the board level in this particular situation was taking any responsibility um, and that's in a subtle way that's what the second slide was saying but our client he, he was smart enough to know that and sure sure enough all hell broke loose when he got to the second slide and that was the ultimately the solution to the problem fascinating when i'm working in my field of leadership and talent development clients might highlight a range of development areas that they want to work on, including listening skills. When you think about listening and, and how you listen, for you, is it an active, conscious process? And is it something that you personally have worked on and sought to improve? That's a really good question. I mean, to be controversial, I don't think listening is a skill. I think listening is a behavior. And again, I, I'm going to go a roundabout way to answering your question. Many years ago, um, I, I used to deliver a lot of, as you know, I used to deliver a lot of training, both inside PA, but also to clients. And this was training in consulting skills, change management, all sorts of things. We, we ran a, a very extensive program with a client that mm, uh, mm. I think we trained over 700 people in basically consulting and communication skills. Um, and there was a module in there which was about listening. Uh, it, was, it was the one module that I hated the most. Um, and I would always try and avoid delivering it because I always found it really hard and really counterintuitive because basically what we were trying to do was to to get people to learn how to actively listen as a skill. And in my view, it never, it never really worked because I think ultimately we weren't tackling, in my view, the real nub of the behavioral aspect, which is, you know, a, a natural sense of curiosity. Um, and, and also... I guess, an appreciation of the importance 
of your audience in whatever setting or context that is. And it's, I think, to your question about sort of, do you have to, do you have to kind of train yourself to, to do things in certain ways? Sometimes you do have to stop yourself. And you have to be conscious. You have to put your own ego to one side and, uh, and switch it on in terms of curiosity. You know, sometimes you talk to people. Sometimes I talk to people and they might have asked me a question about something and I, I give them an answer. But then their response to whatever it is that I might be conveying is then something to do with them or they had a similar experience. So I was talking about, you know, I was delayed at Philadelphia airport or whatever it is. And then they say, well, oh yeah, I was delayed in Atlanta. Rather than maybe they, they ask another question, which is, hmm. so what did, what did you do? You, you see what I mean? It's, it's like, you know, the classic probing thing. People are curious. They probe. They ask another. They ask you another question about what you've been talking about, rather than taking it back to an experience they had. So there's there's kind of there can be certainly in a work setting and in consulting. So much about consulting is is about getting into the mind of your audience and understanding what's going on. Which means you have to be naturally curious. If you're naturally curious, you're a natural listener and you will listen quite intently because, because then that leads you to the next question, which is about them. It's not about you. And that curiosity forces you to listen and also forces you, well, it, it, it then you generate insight as a result of that. Quite often I would again in a work setting I would take a great deal of satisfaction about coming out of a meeting with somebody knowing more about them than they did about me I guess to me it's it's kind of that's the behavioral aspect which is curiosity and also quite a bit of empathy mm -hmm. so you care about the other person you care about what's going on with them you're not you're not talking about yourself you don't if, if they want to know, they'll ask. Excellent. I like that very much, Peter. You've had a long and successful consulting career. For those who may be contemplating a career in consulting, what advice might you give? Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, quite the opposite, I think. Uh, consulting is a is a absolutely brilliant career. You know, there, there's there's so many dips, different types of consulting, and I mentioned you know the expert model could so you could be an expert in you know energy capital markets, and that's very different to being more of a generalist is probably not the right word, but but more of a service specialist. In we used to talk about sector and service specialism but uh, a broader service specialist where you're involved in business transformation or whatever so I think my advice to anybody considering consulting is 
do think hard about what type of consulting you want to do. I think the other thing is, is and I made this mistake, I just thought, you know, consulting is, is easy. It's not. There, you know, clearly there are, there are tools and there are techniques, but there's, you know, there, there are so many moving parts, which, which is what makes it interesting. Um, I do think that if you were considering doing it, read David Meister, The Trust Equation. So trust is uh, your credibility, your reliability, and your intimacy with the client. Intimacy in the, obviously in the appropriate way, but, but that you, you know and understand your client. You're reliable, um, and you know your stuff. And then the, the trust is undermined. The, that's the top line of the equation, and underneath is self-orientation. And self-orientation will erode trust. And that's back to listening, curiosity, all of those sort of things. So uh, understanding Maester, I think, as you know, Ian, in, in PA, pyramid thinking or top-down thinking was a religion. Top-down thinking is a very, very, very powerful structured communication tool that is, again, really, really useful in the context of active listening, knowing your audience but also analyzing a problem. And uh, I, think, uh, I think observation is it's probably one of the most fun things to do as a consultant, to be able to sit and observe what's going on and observe the, the dynamics. And I think this is probably more important as you mature and you get older and more confident as a consultant in a room of people who many of whom will think they're the smartest person in the room um, or be the smartest person in the room or want to be the smartest person in the room to be able to again sit back and observe I always felt that being able to watch people as well as listen to people and you're watching interactions uh, again gives you so much insight but also as a consultant puts you in a better position to advise or uh, I guess intervene and add value with that intervention um, there's so many people are so busy thinking about what it is that I want to say or establishing their credibility in a meeting that they actually miss really what's going on. And that's the fun bit, I think. Fascinating, thank you. Now, I know that since leaving PA, you've developed several hobbies and pursuits, including setting up a family retreat in Ireland, um, traveling around parts of the US, believe with your brother on your motorbike motorcycle and then becoming an advisor to startups and scale-ups why did you choose to become an advisor in this area and how are you going about helping these fledgling companies again a good question i think 
the I kind of fell into the startup scale up thing. I I had anticipated that when I retired from PA, I would do some non-executive director type work. Um, but I quickly concluded that I didn't really want to get into the formal back into the formal corporate environment. The startup scale up space, mm. which I I kind of fell into. The, the the people who are in that are these these guys are uh, and girls are kind of running fast, doing things by the skin of their teeth, um, highly motivated, mm. young, energetic, super smart, um, but also they they appreciate the the bit of wisdom and advice that I can give mm-hmm. and the perspective that I can give, so. They're not trying to outsmart me, and I'm not trying to outsmart them. Um, whereas, you know, back to the corporate environment, it, it was just a little bit too competitive in terms of somebody trying to outgun you in terms of how much they know and all that sort of thing. So they're 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 kind of young and curious, like little kids. They have this this curiosity and this you know passion, purpose, but lack of experience that means that they do need a little bit of help not a lot um, and that's what's nice and also what they're trying to do is is super exciting all the all the companies that i'm currently working with uh, they don't need a lot mm. of my time which is great because now i don't uh, I, <laughs> I don't have a lot of time <laughs> uh, ironically but but also when they when they do want it, they want it, and they want it quickly, and they're they're just open to ideas and they listen. Uh, you know, they they they're curious, um, and that's that's fun. At the same time, by my nature, I'm not I'm not just marching in saying this is what you should do. Um, I clearly I will listen to what they have to say and what it is that they're up to. Hmm. So it's it's huge fun. Fabulous. Peter, it's been a privilege and a pleasure speaking with you today. Uh, thanks for being here and thanks for sharing some career and life lessons with us. Ian, it's it's been I'm I'm kind of flattered that you asked me and it's huge fun. As you know, I could go on and on and on about, about this stuff, but um it is huge fun and hopefully this this podcast just goes viral (laughs) I hope so too (laughs) thank you Peter okay thank you Ian I hope you enjoyed this episode of the People Assured podcast with my special guest Peter Siggins please remember to subscribe and share with your friends and I'll be back soon with another episode 